mission fund. And many of the folks who are in our congregation go way back to the time when Sarah was actually here, which was almost 20 years ago. And they remember well her life and her family. Others have come in since that time and some just in the last few years. And this idea of the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund is kind of a new thing to them. So today I want to kind of introduce you to it or reintroduce you to it and invite you to be a part of it and to celebrate it and to give God thanksgiving for his work among us. You'll see on the screen a picture of some of the posters you've seen around campus. October the 14th, two weeks from today, I want to encourage you and your family to be here for a very important, uh, very delightful service that talks about some things about the future of Kingsville Baptist Church. I want to invite you to make sure that you're here that day and contact your Sunday school class members and friends who maybe have been struggling with attending recently or someone who just needs a little, just a little encouragement. And uh, let's set aside this day as a day of worship and a day of information that will encourage us and I think encourage our future as well. So jumping into this day of celebration of Sarah Thompson, uh, some of you are not aware of her life and about why we as a church have this fund and exactly what happened Wendy gave us just a little highlight a minute ago. Sarah Thompson was a young girl in our church, her family deeply invested here and a part of our church. And this was about 19, almost 20 years ago. And Sarah was diagnosed with cancer. Really hard thing as a family to receive. To get that news and then to begin the struggle with it and then the battle with it and the hope with it and all of those things that are a part of that kind of struggle with childhood cancer. Sarah went through a great deal in that struggle with cancer, fighting all the way through it, her family, her church, all rooting for her to be healed, to survive, but she didn't. And as she became weaker and less able to attend church. One of the last times that she was ever able to attend church, she was here with the congregation, and she came forward at the end of the service, took our dear brother Jim Spencer's hand and said to him these words, I want my life to count for something. She sensed that her life was slipping away. It began to dawn on her that it was not years that she was thinking of, but it was months or weeks or days. If you've ever had the opportunity to sit down with Sarah's parents and just listen to their stories, it's absolutely um, compelling to listen as God worked in Sarah during these days and took away her fears. A little over a year ago, I had the opportunity to kind of refresh the story with her dad, Brian Thompson. And Brian still, as he recounts the stories of Sarah's life, still 
just weeps as any of us would, even though it's almost 20 years past. And as he began to tell the story about Sarah and as she drew near unto death and as she came forward during church and she said, I want my life to count for something. Brian shared with me something that somehow had not registered before or if he had told me and even if I had recounted it to someone, I had forgotten it. And it was about the last days as Sarah actually got near unto death that Sarah was going through treatments and her body was fighting and kind of succumbing to it and they were still very hopeful and One evening as they were getting ready to go to sleep and they were with Sarah, Brian recounted to me the story of how Sarah looked at her parents very earnestly and said these words, said, I'm dying. I'm going to die. And as good parents wanting to comfort her in that, they said, oh baby, you don't know. It's we, We don't know what God holds for us. We don't know what the future is. I don't want you to to give up. She said, no. Mom and Dad, I'm dying. And I know I'm dying. Brian recounted to me then that she said, Mom and Dad, when I'm awake during the day, I'm with y'all. But now every night when I go to sleep, I'm with Jesus. And He's made very clear to me that it's the end. Now, how Jesus would have done that with Sarah, I don't know. I don't know if it was a dream, if it was a vision, if it was a reality. I don't know. But He comforted her so much in her last days that when she fell asleep, she didn't fall asleep afraid. She fell asleep and was with Jesus. And just a short time after that conversation, she she passed away. She went to be with Jesus. And it was a heartbreak for her parents. It was a heartbreak for her church It was a heartbreak for Brother Jim who loved her and ministered to her. So, July the 20th, 1999, she went to be with the Lord. She was only 13 years old. That's a really tender, young age. That's a fragile age. When I was 13, I was still trying to figure out you know, how to tie my shoes and important things like that. It's a hard age, and here she was... Clearly devoted to the Lord, fierce taken away, and resolute that she wanted her life to matter. So Brother Jim kind of stepped back from that and began to reflect on it. He prayed, he considered, and he decided that the best thing that could be done to make her life count would be to establish a mission fund. Brother Jim had a heart for missions. We are such inheritors of that heart. And he had a heart for missions. And so he thought this would be a great connection. So he went and talked with Sarah's parents. And they were in full agreement and began supporting the idea. The church embraced the idea. And that offering now has taken Sarah's desire far beyond what she or Brother Jim ever could have imagined. It started in 1999 with the desires of a young girl's heart. The Psalms tell us that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will give us the desires of our heart. And the result is the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund. 1999, Brother Jim and the church established it, and they began taking up a collection 
annually and anyone could give at any time and having an annual emphasis on it. And I don't think either of them had any idea what was going to happen. Now, I want you to think of this little church in Ball right here on this corner. Young girl from the Pineville Ball area and a desire for her life to count for some. A thoughtful pastor, Brother Jim, who looked at this and said, what can we do that would fulfill her heart's desire? And suddenly things begin to happen. We begin traveling. We hit five states in the U.S. We go beyond the U.S. Begin to venture out. Canada. Mexico. Haiti. Dominican Republic. Guatemala. Honduras, Nicaragua, Trinidad, Suriname, Ecuador, Peru, Brazil, Scotland, Romania, Greece, Turkey, Jordan, China, Nepal, Thailand, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Uganda, Angola, Zimbabwe, South Korea. Take a look at that. If you don't think that the dreams of a 13-year-old matter, look at the screen. She delighted herself in the Lord. And He gave her the desires of her heart. Now think through that. I've sat and wondered... I'm sure that some of the folks who have come to know the Lord through the ministry of the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund and missionaries from our church going all these places, I'm sure some of them have already died. I just wonder what it's like. I don't know what God tells people in heaven. I, I don't have any clue. I don't, I don't know how much people know or how much they don't know. I, don't, I, I have no idea. But I just wonder what it's like when somebody gets there and they have this conversation that <laughs> that there's this church in Ball that sends people out and they have this fund called the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund and Sarah goes, the what? The Sarah Thompson Mission Fund. And people all over the globe are hearing about Jesus because a 13-year-old girl knew that for the Lord she wanted her life to matter. And God took that desire because she delighted in Him. And He gave it to her. I wonder what it would be like when Asachula stands in front of her and says, you brought us water. 
Or someone from Zimbabwe says, you brought us study Bibles. Someone from South Korea says, you explained the gospel to us. All over the world. All because one young lady had a desire, a goal, a dream. And it was to honor the Lord and make her life count. And a wise pastor took that and turned it into something that now, I think, is beyond our imagination. Over $388,000. Think about that. That's mind-boggling. Just freely, joyfully given from among this congregation and others. Poured in. That just absolutely astonishes me. That's a lot of money. 379 at least individual trips. It's people who've gone either in the States or abroad. Five different states in the U.S. And I really think it's more than that. Some of the things we've done, I don't know that we counted. 26 different countries. And again, I think there may be a few we've missed. Five of seven continents. We can't do anything in Antarctica, but we are aiming for Australia. Sarah has taken us over one million miles. Now think about that. A 13-year-old who sent us over a million miles because she in her heart wanted to give glory to God with the few days that she had and give her life for something that counts. How does the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund work? Well, funds are collected year-round with an emphasis in September and October. This is the time of the year that we kind of pause and give God thanks for her life I was thinking the other day, Lottie Moon is famous to us because of where she went. But Sarah Thompson's famous to us because of who she sent. She sent us. If you've gone on a mission trip through Sarah Thompson Mission Fund, would you stand up real quick? Anybody has gone anywhere with Sarah Thompson Mission Fund, please stand up. Look around at this. That's crazy. Isn't this awesome? Folks in the balcony... We've been touched by this. Y'all can have a seat. This is such a blessing. And so we collect these funds, we set them aside, and we use them as needed. Sarah Thompson Fund matches up to one half of the cost of an individual's trip cost, their travel room and board, with a maximum of $1,500 per person annually. This past year we distributed, I think, around $29,000 for or the last 12 months for international and local national mission trips. Members of KBC apply in writing. I'll talk to you about that and how that works in just a second. And once approval is given, the funds are distributed to the individuals by check or applied to the airfare prior to the departure of their trip. What trips are eligible for Sarah Thompson Mission Funds? Well, trips sponsored by Kingsville Baptist Church. Any trip that we sponsor, that's kind of an automatic there. Trips related to the International Mission Board, North American Mission Board, or Louisiana Baptist Convention work. Trips in which we partner with Great Commission Christians and Global Baptist Partners. There are places in the world where we don't have a Southern Baptist IMB presence, but 
there are people that our Southern Baptist brothers and our International Mission Board have partnered with, and so we join with them in some of the more hard-to-reach places. Trips that are related to Kingsville Baptist Church student ministries are eligible. Who's eligible? Well, members of Kingsville Baptist Church, of course, who are faithful in attendance and service at KBC, willing to live and serve as faithful examples of Jesus while representing Jesus in KBC. One of the most challenging things about mission work is the difficulty involved in some of the trips kind of reveals what's ever brewing down in our heart. And if we're not really healthy spiritually, we tend to be a little grumpy on our trips. So we try to encourage folks, be a good witness even in difficulty. Willing to apply in writing to the missions committee and to submit to a background check. All of our mission agencies that we work with require background checks of everyone that we send, and we do that with all of our trips. And willing to give a report to Kingsville Baptist Church upon return from the trip. So how can we be involved? Well, give today. After the service today, there's going to be folks who will take up an offering. We've got two different envelopes floating around. One is the Sarah Thompson uh, Actual Mission Fund envelope. And the other is the regular offering envelope that's been highlighted with the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund. We would love for you to give an offering today to continue this work and to see it not just go like it is, but to flourish. Give weekly or monthly or set aside an amount that you designate along with your tithe or other offerings. Give an honor or memory of someone special to you. We've had many folks who, in the death, the departure of a loved one, folks say, what, what do you want? In, in lieu of flowers, we would love to see a gift to the Sarah Thompson Mission Fund. And many folks have done that. And it's always a blessing to see that. Or on someone's birthday or anniversary to give in honor or memory of them. Also, pray that God will continue to send Kingsville all over the globe with the good news of God's redeeming love in Christ. So, let me walk you through why we're doing this. Why is this important to us? Number one, get your outline. Missions and evangelism are the overflow of a heart filled with joy in God. Jesus spoke to us in Matthew and in Luke, and he said, For the mouth speaks out of the overflow of the heart. So our call to missions is a call to let our mouths speak from what has filled our heart. This is a great quote from George Mueller. Listen to what he says. I saw more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about was not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man may be nourished. I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to the meditation on it. My brothers and sisters, whatever fills our heart is what flows out. Evangelism that is coerced from a heart that is not filled with joy in Jesus smacks of hypocrisy. 
If I am to go and to stand with a man who has a heritage in Islam, if I am to sit at the table with a family that has a heritage in a cult, and I am to share with them the good news of Christ, and to ask them to embrace the joy above all joys, the king above all kings, and to lose their families, to lose their inheritances, to even possibly lose their lives. If I cannot do that from a genuine heart of joy that would gladly do the same, then there is a taste of hypocrisy in what I do. My evangelism is to flow out of my relationship with God in Christ. So that the overflow, the thing that I speak, is the true experience of the condition of my heart as a result of knowing Christ. This was what happened in the disciples' lives in Acts. They were brought before the court. They were threatened with punishment that could lead even up to death. And these were their words. And when they had summoned the disciples, they commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said to them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to give heed to you rather than to God, you be the judge. For we cannot stop speaking what we have seen and heard. Now, in the New Testament language there, there's a really strange construction. It's a double negative, And it says, we cannot not speak. The way that it's structured is to say that this is something that is such a deep, heartfelt compulsion that when we open our mouths, this is just what comes out. It's kind of a reflection on what Jeremiah said back in Jeremiah about midway through his ministry when he said, if I try to stop speaking of God, it is like fire that is pent up or built up in my bones that has to get out. What Peter is saying is that we have such a joy in Jesus that it is overflowing from our heart and it is coming out of our mouths. The true evangelist is the man or woman who is happy in Jesus and has found in that happiness such a joy that it is not a coercion to get them to tell about Jesus. It's a joy. It's like a grandparent with an iPhone. You watch a grandparent with their new iPhone. Once they figure it out and they can get through the pictures, it is slideshow city for them. They start showing you everything their grandkids have done and the little videos they've downloaded from Facebook about the first steps or the first birthday or all of those milestones. Do you have to have a class to get grandparents to break out their iPhone and tell of the joy of their grandkids? Do you? Do we have like iPhone 101 for grandparents? No. Why? Why don't we need it? It's their joy. It's their joy. You don't have to get an LSU fan 
into a class of how to root for your team. It's their joy. When something is our joy, when it is our delight, it overflows from a full heart of joy in God. That's our calling. Our calling is to be joyful, be healthy, and to use that as our way of expressing the good news of Jesus. Second, missions and evangelism are the obedience of a heart fueled by love of Jesus. This is not just some kind of inert joy. It's love. It's real, true, genuine love. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he commanded us to go and tell. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. That's a command tied to love. If we love him, we tell other people. It is a heart fueled by love. Filled with joy and fueled by love. But it's not only the love I have for Christ, it's the love He has for me. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is what Paul said. He says, For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and He died for all, that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. What's he saying? He's saying, I'm living this way because He loves me. It's not just that I love Him. I love Him because He first loved me. And so the glory here of Paul's evangelism is that he's saying, I'm doing what I'm doing because He loves me. And I'm settled in that love. My identity is in that love. My significance is in that love. My future hope is in that love. My posterity is tied to this love. I have the love of God in Christ. And it compels me. It controls me. It motivates me. Finally, missions and evangelism are the objectives of a heart feeling the weight of eternity. Come with me to the book of Romans for just a moment. And I want you to glance at one set of verses that reveal the weight of eternity on Paul's heart. It's in Romans chapter 9. Join me there. Paul says in 9.1, I am telling the truth in Christ. I'm not lying. My conscience bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish myself accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Listen to the angst and anguish of Paul's heart when eternity begins to weigh down on him. Paul is feeling the weight of eternity. He has been personally delivered from hell. He has been personally delivered from being accursed and separated from Christ. 
He has been rescued from the wrath of God. He has been forgiven of his sins. He has had all of these things take place. And now, because he has experienced it, he feels the weight of eternity for those who do not know Christ. And basically what Paul says here is, I would go through hell if that would keep them out of hell. He is so deeply weighed that he says, I would trade places in hell for them if that would get them out. The weight of what hell really is was alive in Paul's mind. The destiny of the people that he knew, that he grew up with, and those that he didn't know or grow up with, but knew them as kinsmen. His heart was heavy with the feelings of the weight of eternity. And he pondered, he looked at people, he looked at their face, and he imagined, Where will they be in 50 or 100 or 1,000 or a million years? He was weighted down with the reality that real people go to a real place because of their rejection of God's revelation to them in creation and in their conscience and in Christ. And they deserve it. Yet Paul aches for them because the weight of eternity is on him. So, we're compelled to evangelism through our hearts being filled with joy. Through our lives being fueled by love. Yet, our hearts feeling the weight of eternity. Our children, our families, our parents, our spouses, our cousins, our siblings, our neighbors, our co-workers, people in our nation, people globally. There's a real place called hell where real people spend eternity inescapably. Paul felt that. And he felt it in such a way that he wished he could trade places. Would you bow with me? I want to encourage you this morning in three particular ways. I want to encourage you to do what George Mueller did. To work every morning to get your heart as happy in Jesus as you can. By abiding in Him and in His Word. I want to encourage you to step beyond that. And rest in how much He loves you. Rejoice. He hasn't loved you from afar. He's loved you close. He came and He died for you. He was raised from the dead. He loves you. 
But I want you to stop and feel the weight of eternity for two reasons. First, some of you are here and that is bearing down on you right now. If you were to slip out of this life today, you know and you are convinced and you are struggling because you know you would go right out into hell and there'd be no hope for you. And you're wrestling with that. And you've been wondering, what am I going to do? When am I going to make this right? One of these days, but next week or next month or next year, maybe. But you know, you know. I want to invite you to quit that. And to hear what the writer of the Hebrews says, today is the day of salvation. If you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Would you, this morning, commit your life to Christ? You say, Pastor Bart, I'm there. (laughs) I'm there. I've been getting there and I'm putting it, I'm there. What do I do? Would you call upon Him with me right now and place your faith in Him based on these things? First, God made you and you have sinned against Him and deserve His punishment. Second, God loves you and wants to save you from that punishment. So He sent Jesus to be a sacrifice for your life by doing what you didn't do. That is, loving God with all your heart. And then to be your sacrifice in death by doing what you cannot bear. And that is to bear the wrath of God. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And He was raised from the dead. And third, to place your faith by repenting, turning away from your sin, and following Jesus, asking Him to save you. Would you call on Him with me now? Pray with me. God in heaven, I'm exactly what was just described. I am sinful. I deserve your punishment, but I've heard that you love me and you sent Jesus. And right now, I place my faith in Jesus. I believe He died on the cross for my sins and He was raised from the dead. And I ask you to forgive me and save me. Make me your child and give me your joy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Others of you are here today, you're a believer, but your zeal for evangelism has gone flat or declined or never been raised up to where it ought to be. I want to invite you today to renew your commitment, to fill your heart with joy, be fueled by His love, and let yourself feel the weight of eternity as you see every human being that you encounter, knowing that they need this good news of Jesus. Father in heaven, as we come before you in worship at the end of this service, we praise you and thank you for your goodness. Move in our midst by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand as God leads you? Would you come?